What up, guys? Your boy Quake back with a brand new episode of the Diverse Mentality Podcast, number 217. And we got a kind of a slow show today. I mean, there is some some news that was interesting, but uh, a lot of it, you know, um, didn't really didn't really catch my attention too much in terms of uh, what was worthy of talking about because some things, you know, is just like drama and stupid things. Like you'll never catch me talking about the like the blue face and what's his girlfriend's name situation. He's all over the place and he's not really even a rapper anymore, to be honest with you. So that type of stuff I'll never really cover on the podcast. I like to cover more uh, hip hop and then sometimes here and there uh, different type of things. But um, for the most part, let me know what you guys want me to cover. I mean, there might be stuff that I don't really cover that often that you guys might want me to cover more of. Um, I know a lot of people wanted me to cover like newer artists and you know, because I know I talked about the Oliver Anthony country artists and people were like, that was really cool. You know, I had no idea about him. That was dope, blah, blah, blah. So, um, yeah, if you guys want me to cover newer artists, I can, you know, sometimes do that here and there and just talk about something that I really enjoy in terms of someone new. Now, here's the thing. I don't really get a chance to listen to a lot of newer artists. So, you know, it's when I do get a chance to, I usually... We'll tweet out a song or, you know, maybe post on Instagram something about it. Um, but for the most part, I don't really, you know, I don't get a chance to listen to a lot of newer artists because I've stated this probably millions of times on here that a lot of newer hip-hop isn't as intriguing to me as, you know, the older is now. There's a couple of newer artists that I was listening to, like Young and Ace, Hot Boy, um, who else? A couple of newer ones, right? And... um I enjoyed them, but they kind of slowed down making music or the music really wasn't hitting like that anymore. And then I haven't really checked for a lot of newer ones. You know, I know a couple of artists that drop projects that are here and there that drop like Trippy Red and these ones, but I just don't really listen to them that often. You know, I think um, a lot of hip hop has been disappointing for a while now. I think a lot of the sound has been the same. I think it's become a formula style where it's like, hey, let's follow this formula, let's drop this, and let's keep doing that over and over. And eventually that, that gets tired. Uh, speaking of Oliver Anthony, that country artist, he actually stopped by the Joe Rogan Joe Rogan's podcast. Like, that's the first interview he's ever done, like, in terms of mainstream media, uh, which is a good platform to go on because, you know, he could speak his mind fully there for hours on end and kind of talk about who he is as a person and, you know, what he stands for. So I've watched a little bit of that interview, which was interesting. Um, but, you know, he was talking about how, he thinks the reason why his song hit is because the music isn't formulaic. It's not, you know, there's no formula to it. He's just, it's just a raw guy in Virginia, just raw feelings, guitar, singing. You know, it's not perfect singing, he said, which I think he does good. Um, he's got great vocals, but, you know, he's just like, it's, it's something I just felt, you know, like doing. And, you know, that's sometimes that's the best music, just the feeling. That's what I mean. AI can never, can never replace that. An AI will never be able to replace a human's touch, a human's feeling when it comes to making art, period. Not even just music, but just art, period. You have to have that that uh, that feeling, that touch that an AI will never be able to replicate. So, um, but yeah, let's get into the news. Before I get into it, I just want to talk about, like, there's, you know, I'm working on documentaries right now. Uh, they're going to be coming out in September. I think maybe two or three. I know 100% two of them are coming out in September. I might be able to do a third one because I found an interesting topic that, to be honest with you, it's kind of a conspiracy theory slash fact. Like there's there's two parts to this, and um, it's very interesting. And I don't think anybody's deep dived into it or even talked about it. I don't know how how long of a documentary it'll be. It probably will be thirty minutes, not even maybe an hour. Depends because sometimes I don't know with these things. Sometimes when I'm working, I think it's a thirty minute video. Then all of a sudden, it turns out to be an hour or two hours or you know, whatever the case may be. I usually don't do documentaries over two hours. I think the longest one I've done is two hours and like 30 minutes. Um, but that's that's really about it. I don't. I try not to do too long because when you're doing like four or five hours, I think it's just too much, man. I, you know, I can't, I can't see myself. The only time I can see myself deep diving that much, like see this Give or Should I Try documentary that I did. If I was able to add the other people that I interviewed in it as well and do, there was a section that I was going to do that was very interesting. If I was able to add that section, this would have been a three hour documentary, but it's because I, you know, I have so much footage. Like I could even push it to almost four hours, maybe three hours and 30 minutes, maybe not four hours, 
but three hours and 30 minutes, I could push it that far if I could have added those interviews in there. But um, that's something for a whole different story. But that's what I mean. I don't like to do too long of, you know, pieces because at certain points, it's like you're kind of repeating yourself or you're exploring so many things outside of what the actual topic is that it gets it gets too, too blown up, you know, and out of proportion. So anyways, those are coming. Uh, yeah, content like that is coming very soon here on the, on the channel. I know you guys are asking me to do this, that, um, I know on the Patreon, shout out to everybody supporting the Patreon. I did get a lot of requests and, um, I will be doing quite a few of those requests before the year is over. So I know I have a, what happened to, and I believe it was Sean. I could be wrong or Anthony shout out to both of you. Um, it might've been someone, it might've been Sean, I think requested what happened to rich boy video. I want to do that. Uh, and then there was a uh, request by Ice, Kula Ice, shout out to him. He requested a lot of it. He just gave me a huge list, which I can't do everything. But I talked to him on, on Instagram DMs quick and just said, yo, I want to work on this one. I'm going to do this one. So, uh, yeah, so a lot of people on Patreon support. I will, you know, I try to take requests, but it's hard. You know, these things take time and I'm doing multiple other things. So I eventually will do, you know, everybody at least... Everybody that's been on Patreon for a minute now, the people that have been supporting for a while, probably a year, two years now, or longer. I don't know how long. Um, but you guys, I will I will prioritize over everything. And then eventually, I'll probably do like a voting system where it's like, hey, these are the three. Uh, I get a lot of requests. These are the top three requests. You guys on Patreon vote, and boom. And I eventually want to do it live streaming, meaning like, because um, what I'm going to create on my main channel is a membership uh a membership kind of program that YouTube has where you pay $2 a month and it'll be strictly for those people that pay those $2 a month. You guys will be able to go on the live stream only you guys. Um, but the people that are already subscribing on Patreon, you guys will already get links and be able to go. So you guys won't have to subscribe to two separate things. You know, that would be unfair if I, if I, you know, had you guys on Patreon paying and then on YouTube as well, that's not the case. So everybody on Patreon, you're already going to get access, but for the people on YouTube that don't, because there's some people that don't, you know, like to use things outside of YouTube or it's easier for them to just, you know, do a membership on, on YouTube instead of Patreon, then yeah, it'll be $2 a month. Obviously on Patreon, it's $3 a month minimum, but you get a lot more stuff. You get uncut videos, you know, you get a, a 24 hour, I think early access. I don't remember what the tiers are, but you get more, a little bit more stuff than you would paying $2 a month. Cause that, that just means live streams that you'll get access to. I, you can't do on the thing is on YouTube, you can't do the, the whole uncut because if you upload an uncut version on YouTube, it's going to get copyrighted because that's the whole point of, you know, uh, being on Patreon. It's because it doesn't have that same system as YouTube does. So that's a whole in itself. But let's get into the news. And uh, I wanted to talk about LL Cool J. He, he performed, and a lot of people, when he was performing for this uh, event uh, for his Force tour, which he's doing his tour, uh, he called out rappers. Basically was like, hey you know, uh, stop playing this mystery man or whatever the case may be. And, you know, for clickbait, you know, a lot of these pages do this bullshit. Clickbait, they they made it seem like LL Cool J was talking strictly about Jay-Z. And I can see where that's coming from, you know, because Jay-Z does play that mystery man. Jay-Z hasn't really been involved in anything hip-hop 50 related. So I can see, by, by hip-hop 50, I mean 50-year anniversary of hip-hop, I can see why someone would clickbait that to go towards Jay-Z. But it's not about Jay-Z. So let's play the clip first. I don't shout it out to all you rappers trying to play mystery, man. Stop fucking up your legacy. Get on this goddamn stage, man. A lot of dudes run around. Oh, yeah, you know. They don't miss me more than I'm so that's it he basically said um let me shout out to all you rappers trying to play mystery man stop fucking up your legacy uh get on this goddamn stage man and then he says if i can get on the stage you can get on the stage and this TikToker that uploaded it said it was towards Jay-Z, which is 100% false. I could see why some people would assume that, but even people in the comments just assumed it was towards Jay-Z. Um, in the comments, they didn't even question what the caption said. Sorry, excuse me. 
that even question what the caption said. Um, and that's the problem with a lot of media. It's like people just don't question at all what the caption, they just go off the caption. And it's like, who the fuck is this person? Is this a viable source? Thankfully, though, somebody who was actually there at the show quoted uh, the video and said it's clickbait and said this. I was literally at this show. He and Questlove had just finished performing Houdini's Freaks Come Out at Night and was saying he had tried to get Jahil from the group to come out on tour, but he declined. That's who he's referring to right here. And then he said anything for engagement, though, right? So uh, this was posted on Twitter, and of course, uh, I think the problem with a lot of Twitter right now, or X, whatever you want to call the platform, is that you can get paid now for posting on there. And the more engagements you get, the more money you'll get. So I think it's incentivized some people to start posting a lot more fake news more you know misleading things but there is a communities tab that like if if it's if the the tweet goes viral enough you know people will 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 quote it with actual facts like they'll put a source on it and say this is not real this is photoshop whatever the case may be this is you know video is not directed towards this person whatever the case may be so that didn't happen this week because it didn't go that viral it went viral but not to the point where you know there's a whole communities tab about it but thankfully this person that was there at the show his name is Eric Ignima, Igna, Ignima. He was there. Uh, sorry for butchering your name, but he was there. He quoted the, the 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 tweet and made it very clear that he was talking about Jaleel. So, um, yeah, I don't know why you know everything is pointing towards Jay Z. I remember, when I saw this initially, I I was like, okay, let me see, let me let me kind of see if there's anybody that says anything about this. But yeah, I think a lot of and I don't know if it started for me. I don't know because I've been saying this a lot. You know, I kind of slatter, uh, not slander Jay-Z, but, you know, I just say he's not that big of an artist. You know, it's been a topic that's been here and there. But, you know, I've never fully blown disrespect to Jay-Z and been like, ah, fuck that guy. He's not talented. He is a legend. Uh, Longevity is out of this world. But, you know, I can see, like, how this could be pointed towards Jay-Z because Jay-Z is... I mean, 50 said himself, man. Jay's a big man. He's too big to respond, you know? So Jay, I think Jay, even 50 said it millions of times, Jay thinks of, thinks of himself as above the culture, as he's, he's too good to stoop below and spar with certain people when it comes to battles, or he thinks he's too good to just be involved with hip-hop, period. Um, you know, he did that, that. He does This year he did have that museum, which was cool. But I think overall in hip-hop's 50-year anniversary, hasn't really done much. Nas did more with that Mass Appeal show. So, you know, I think even Cameron showed him love, which was really cool for that. So, yeah, Jay-Z's been, you know, he's always low-key, kind of minding his own business, not really being involved with the culture like that. Like he, you know, now he's just gone to a level where it's like, ah, eh, I don't really want to get involved. Like Eminem will still, even though Eminem's not out in the, you know, spotlight and he's not doing interviews like Jay-Z, they don't do, they're not really out in the spotlight like that. They're not doing interviews. Eminem still spars with people that, that call out his name. You know, he'll still entertain it because it's hip-hop. That's, the, that's, that's one of the things in hip-hop is competition. You know, and I think that's what makes artists better. You know, even Coyla Ray, like that's something that I even that I even add on here to talk about. But she even sent shots at, I think Lotto and uh, Trippy Red. So that's someone that's like, you know, keeping the hip hop spirit alive here because it's getting ridiculous. Everybody wants to be Kumbaya, you know, um, Kumbaya by the moon and just you know chill and shit and about the campfire and make this a damn SpongeBob song. But, but yeah, see, Coyla Ray responds to Lotto and Trippy Reds previous mentions on the new blue moon ep she says yeah i'm on the ass hop out that couch and roll up lotto out the bag sheesh she got this stuff from benzino and then she says uh smoking on that gas big oh that's that's what lotto but that's what i mean that like female rappers are starting to compete actually compete you know male rappers have become soft you know i want to i want to hear Drake versus Kendrick. I want to hear, you know, something going on. That's why I like when Eminem, at least Eminem keeps that energy. You know, he'll respond a year later, whatever the case may be, but you'll know he'll respond eventually, you know. Now, granted, he doesn't respond to every single person that's ever dissed him, as he shouldn't, because some people, you know, like if Eminem responded to Gucci Mane, 
I don't think we would get a really a great battle. You know, Gucci can't keep up lyrically at all with with Eminem. You know, he's got his his moments, but nowhere close to Eminem. So that's what I like. I like more of that. I like when hip hop is more engaging. You know, Jay Z being out of it and just not even engaging with the culture like that is just I don't know. I think it's corny. It makes you look like just this businessman who doesn't really give a fuck. So I get it. You're on a huge level, but come on, man. If Melly Mel, who's the one of the founding fathers of this hip hop shit, can go back and forth with Eminem, even though he's sixty something years old, Jay, you know, get involved a little bit more with hip hop. But I don't think we'll ever get that. That's just the reality of it. But shout out to LL Cool J, man, calling out anybody that um, isn't involved with this hip hop stuff, even though he wasn't directly aiming at Jay Z. There, that needs to be cleared up. So a lot of you, you see this, media outlets are you know saying it's Jay Z. Clear that up because uh, that's not a good look for LL Cool J. I'm sure he probably didn't mean to even do that. So, or have the media run with it like that. But yeah, we'll keep our eye on this, and who knows? Maybe Jay Z responds and actually gets involved with the culture. That's something that we can wish shoot upon a wishing star. So, ha, yeah, right. Uh, Jay Z ain't doing nothing. He's gonna be chilling in his uh funny funny uh, vacation clothes that he wears with his bucket hat. And uh, you ever seen those funny Jay Z meme photos? Like he's on like a, uh, what is it? He's like throwing a football. It looks hilarious. And then he's he's like on this like little jet ski type of thing. And it looks hilarious the way he's holding it. It's like there's a lot of meme photos of Jay-Z doing like dad things or just doing things. And it's hilarious. The way like he dives, there's like a photo of him diving. It's really funny. So <laughs> I don't know how people even got these photos and how they even compiled them together. But yeah, Jay-Z's a hilarious guy when he when he's doing stuff. Jay-Z's just doing stuff is funny. So. Yeah, just the way the photos come out is crazy. Eminem, he's not dealing with the with any political bullshit. Stop using his music to promote anything politics related, especially if he doesn't align with your views. He's gonna get his lawyers to come out there and cease and desist that ass. I remember he was having an issue with uh somebody using the shady name for a podcast. I think uh, some random girls were using like the shady name, and obviously the only person that can use. The shady name is Haley herself, which is Eminem's daughter, of course. But she has her podcast. I think it's like a shady little podcast, something like that. It's a shady podcast, something like that. Um, I remember, you know, him, somebody, those females using that shady name, and they are they're already dealing with lawsuits on that. So Eminem's team does not play. You know, they will they will get on your ass if you're using something of his in the wrong way. Of course, if you're using the right way, you know they're cool with you. Uh, Eminem lets a lot of things slide too. So. Let's go over the article and see exactly what happened. Eminem's lawyers have announced that they're not here for GOP president uh, hopeful Vivek Ramsamwim's uh, shady shenanigans. In a letter on BMI letterhead dated August 23rd, lawyer Pamela Williams ordered Ram... How do you pronounce this guy's last name? Ramaswamy's... Ramaswamy to stop freestyling to lose yourself while on the campaign trail. Uh, BMI has received... Communications from Marshall B. Mathers, the third personally, professionally known as Eminem, objecting to the Vivek from Samwee's campaign's use of Eminem's musical compositions, uh, the Eminem works, and requested that BMI remove all Eminem works from the agreement, read the letter. It continues to say this letter serves as a notice that Eminem works are excluded from the agreement effective immediately. BMI will consider any performance of the Eminem works by Vivek 2024 campaign from this date forward to be a material breach of agreement for which BMI reserves all rights and remedies with respect thereto. Uh, Eminem is just the latest musician whose music is being used by out-of-touch politicians trying to get cool points with Gen Z in an attempt to gain their votes. GOP presidential hope for Vivek tried to convince the crowd of his viability as a candidate during a campaign stop in Iowa earlier this month and that he was fit for the job of the highest office in the land. Ramsey attempted to prove that he was fit to be president by spitting a few bars from Eminem's Lose Yourself, the classic song from 8 Mile. Uh, apparently, Eminem caught wind of the performance and immediately put the kibosh on any future freestyles by Ramsey's or any other potential president of the United States. Eminem is, like I said, man, he's going to get on your ass if you're doing something he doesn't like. So, yeah, we'll keep our eye on this. And, you know, obviously the president, the, the presidential candidate, um, is going to have to oblige by this or else he's going to cough up a lot of money, lawsuits, and, you know, it's not going to look good for him. I view it like this, and I understand where Eminem is coming from. If this presidential candidate 
is constantly using Eminem as a promotion tool for his campaign, it's going to make Eminem seem like he's siding with him. And I don't remember who it was, but I remember somebody used an artist's music. I don't remember, and they disagreed 100% for that use. And they actually sued, if I remember correctly, man. It might have been might have been Eminem again. I don't know. Somebody's music was used, and they disagreed a while ago. I remember I reported on it, but yeah, you... you you know, as as an artist, you want to try to stay in the middle and not get too, you know, uh, involved in politics for the most part. Eminem has never been shy to do that. You know, he's attacked uh, George Bush when he was uh, president. I don't think he said anything about Obama. And then he attacked, obviously, Trump with that huge freestyle. And then even albums after that, you know, Revival, the one that was criticized the most as an album, you know, got attacks from, from Eminem to Trump. So... Eminem is not shy in terms of involving himself in politics, but he doesn't want to look like he's supporting a campaign. So I understand that 100%. I'm fully for artists doing this because, you know, these politicians should not use the clout or the energy or whatever, the the celebrity of these other uh, artists that are, I guess, cool points with the kids or the youngins, whatever the hell you want to call it, uh, use that their energy for their own promotion and stuff. That's not fair. You know, get approval from the actual artist. Say, hey, I would love to, on my campaign, use your music to be more in touch with the young youngins out here, you know? Um, but, yeah, you can't do that So without anybody's approval. You know, it's copyrighted material. Come on, guys. You know, Eminem should, you know, they gave him a warning, but Eminem, this happens again. Eminem should just be more stern with it and let him know that, hey, not even him, just in general, pol- politicians in general, should not be, you know, using artists as a tool to try to bring people in. I think I think that looks shady in politics. Think about it. You like an artist celebrity. They use that artist celebrity to try to reel you into their to their politics. That looks a little shady to me. That looks a little weird. That looks like, you know, you know, you ever seen those things where it's like or just the theory that it's too good to be true kind of those type of things like it's like it just or somebody's being really really nice to you for no reason and you're like what the hell did I do to deserve this that type of situation you kind of question it you're like why is all these celebrities and people involved like that crypto scam uh what's his name that Sam guy he had his company and he he, you know they had a bunch of commercials with all these celebrities Tom Brady Stephen Curry Shaq all these celebrities it looked a little weird it was like okay you know, they're really shoving this down our throats. And turns out, you know, he was uh, playing with people's money and a lot of people lost a lot of money in that. That's not to say crypto's bad. Don't ever, you know, judge crypto off that or any a lot of these. Because think about it. When the internet came out in 1990, whatever, whatever, in the 90s, right? I was about to say 1999. It came out a little bit earlier than that. But when it came out in the 90s, there was a lot of dot-com websites. A lot of them were bullshit. A lot of them were scams. A lot of things, a lot of them were stupid that eventually failed. They blew up for that moment because it was a dot-com online trend. It was just going crazy. But there was only a few that stood out and stood the test of time. And that's Amazon and all these other platforms that are still here today. Uh, Yahoo is still around, even though I don't know who uses Yahoo. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that's still around. Google, of course, you know, and that's been a huge, huge thing. So, but at that moment, there were so many, like, Stupid ones and fake ones and scams, just like crypto. When it blew up, a bunch of fake, stupid things, those eventually are going to get out the way, and there's going to be ones that are solidified and stay, you know, stay their course and are here forever. So don't don't judge crypto off that and what that Sam guy did. Um, but, you know, that, that that's the crazy thing about it is, like, celebrities, when they get involved too much in some, I always got a side-eye towards it. I always question it because it looks a little fishy. It's like, why do you need all these familiar face celebrities to promote your product, you know? Um, and that's the thing. Like when you bring artists or actors into politics, like why are you trying to drag, you know, me into this? And I'm sure Eminem doesn't want to be involved in that. If he hasn't, he's never met this guy, probably sees, he probably, he's probably judging off policies. He probably looked him up, see what he's for. Doesn't like it. Says, stop using my shit. Or maybe just like, Hey, I don't want to be involved in any political person running right now. Stop using my shit. And he's has every right to do so. So shout out to Eminem and making sure his shit ain't used in a shitty way. Slim Shady. Check it. TDE's punch. If you don't know TDE, uh, the owner of TDE, Top Dog Entertainment, who Kendrick, Kendrick Lamar was a part of, quite a few artists, SZA, uh, Schoolboy Q, so on and so forth. Obviously, Kendrick Lamar is no longer a part of them, but he, uh, you know, 
said some things that was really interesting in tweets. And I find it funny that people are just now noticing this or just now kind of, I don't know, getting this kind of uproar about it. You know, but this has been in front of our faces quite a bit. Now it's a lot more blatant. It's a lot more, whoa, okay, you can see it. But back then, this was still part of the music industry. And what he's talking about is the demonic influence. So Satan influence in music, you know, worshiping the devil and... uh and just, you know, things that, you know, look weird. Like, what is it, Sam Sw- Sam Smith, that guy performing a while ago in Devil Clothes. Lil Nas X performing in Devil Clothes, selling devil shoes. Uh, now, Doja Cat, who's just on this whole devil-worshipping run, which is very weird. Uh, I think now, in today's time, it's a lot more blatant, but this has been happening for, I don't know, since music's honestly been in the music industry. Since the music industry has been the music industry. It's just been hidden. It's been you know, here and there, but now it's a lot more in our faces. So this is what TD's punch said on Twitter. Uh, The demonic influence is getting more and more blatant in this thing. The gradualism was numbing. Now it's just out loud. I mean, it was written. So I don't know what the fuck he means by that, but it was written part. But I agree. It's a lot. It's a lot more in our faces. Doja Cat is someone right now who you can look at and be like, you know, you got that song. What's that Doja Cat song? Um, she a devil, whatever fuck. I don't even know. I know the, the melodic because I kept fucking hearing a devil in a dress or some shit. Let me see. But that, that has like devil worshiping shit all over it. Um, Paint the Town Red is a song. Um, you know, she's like, you know, chilling with the Grim Reaper and she's in red clothes and yeah, I, you know, um, you know, uh, this is why I don't listen to a lot of different type of music and I don't really support like Doja Cat. I'm not I'm not fucking with her. Um I really a lot of the music industry stuff has a lot of devil worshiping stuff. I mean, just look at the look at the morals and values a lot of these this music, you know. I'm, I'm not saying that hey, having fun music that has, you know, fun things in it, cool. I get it. People like to drink, people like to party, you know. They like to have fun, whatever the case may be. But I think that's all it's getting pushed. That's like 90 to 95% of stuff that's getting pushed on us. And it's constantly getting pushed on us. So then you kind of, you kind of you sit there and wonder why are you know why are these kids don't have a lot of morals and values or respect and why don't they respect their elders and why this and that and that? Because look look what they're consuming 24-7. It's just music that is demoralizing for the most part. 80, 80% of it is. That 20% that's there is fighting to keep things normal, but you know, they win. They, we get wins here and there with that type of music, like the Oliver Anthony guy, you know, number one with a bullet on the charts, but you don't get those type of, you know, moments like that often. You got Pharrell Williams with I'm Happy. Like, that was a record that, yeah, it might have been annoying for some people, but at least it's a positive song. Hey, I'm happy. Let's clap along, whatever, if you feel. You know, yeah, you get that point. But, um, yeah, Doja Cat's been on this whole weird run where, like, she doesn't give a fuck about her fans. She says, you know, stop following me. I don't owe you guys nothing. I get that aspect of it of like, hey, you know, when fans get a little like some fans sometimes can get a little too overboard and they can feel too entitled. You know, I've gotten that where it's like, yo, give me this fucking video. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, bro, I, you know, listen, I, you, you know, you're not you're not you're not my father. You can't tell me what the hell to do. You know, I, I'm delivering content what I want to deliver. Now you can request something in a nice way and then I can, you know, potentially get to it. Know that, hey, if I get enough requests from it, from a lot of people, I'll eventually do it. But there's people that literally demand stuff from me. Like, why the fuck aren't you doing this? Or why aren't you doing that? Why, like, like, like you, you know, if you want to do that, go start your own YouTube channel and do it, you know? Um, so I understand that entitlement where fans, so Doja Cat kind of, you know, fought with fans over that, lost a lot of followers. Um, but then also the fans make you. You know, if it wasn't for you guys supporting, watching, liking, all that stuff, I wouldn't be where I'm at right now with this podcast, with doing this as my full-time job. Um, you know, I wouldn't, you know, without you guys doing, without you guys supporting, I'll be working a regular job, you know, potentially, and just trying to figure my way out, figure my way downtown, walking fast. Sorry, I, was, <laughs> I got that song stuck in my fucking head for some reason. But, yeah, so Doja Cat, you know, one fan said you would be just like somebody bagging groceries. You'd be a regular girl that's, you know, if it wasn't for us, which is true. That's a, that's a fact in itself because, the fans weren't disrespecting her. She was disrespecting the fans, and she just responded. But 
this is getting out of track. Regardless, what I'm saying is demonic demonic stuff is mu- in music has been happening for, I want to say, 30, 40 years now. Probably in the 80s is when it started, I want to say. A lot of little symbols here and there. You know, I don't know if you guys ever saw this YouTube series called The Music Industry Exposed. It was a long time ago. I remember I was in high school when, like, this guy dropped it. His name was, like, Farah or something like that. Some with the F, I forget. But his, his YouTube channel eventually got removed completely. People thought it was because the Illuminati was getting, you know, was getting him. But, no, it was just copyright. You know, at the time, YouTube dealt with copyright in a way more aggressive way, which I know sounds crazy to say because you can get copyrighted now. But back then, if you got a copyright it would automatically count as a strike. So you wouldn't even get a chance to just get copyrighted. You know, so the difference in YouTube is that if you get copyrighted sometimes, your video either gets blocked or they just take all the money from the video. But back then, it was like if you got copyrighted, they would give you a strike automatically. And now you don't really get strikes often. Like, I haven't gotten a strike in probably two, three years. You get a strike if somebody, like, owns the content and says, fuck you, no. Like, I own this. I don't want you making a dime off it. I don't even want to make money off it from your views. So they strike it down, which you get three of those uh, within, I think, a 90-day period or something like that. Your channel gets permanently removed. And then also community guideline strikes. You get that as well. I've never gotten a single community guideline strike ever. So I don't know how that works. I think it's three strikes as well. But, um, you know, back then on YouTube, that's how that guy's channel, when he was doing this music industry exposed stuff, that's how his channel got removed. And I remember people back then, oh, Illuminati got him. Oh, he, he did disappear, though, after that, which was kind of weird. But he basically broke down the music industry. He was breaking down lyrics of uh, the devil, you know, uh, Rain Man. Rain Man was like a devil uh, chant. He mentioned the Eminem song Rain Man. You know, uh, a lot of artists mentioning Rain Man as like this worshiper, uh, this guy that this person that, uh, you know, um, is like the devil's figure. You know, there's so there's been a lot of like, you know, we know music for the most part doesn't have, you know, holy things in it. Like we listen to hip hop. How much how much hip hop has holy stuff in it where you're you're praising God and, you know, um, it's positive music? Not much, man. That's what I'm saying. I get sick and tired of a lot of the new music because it's about killing ops, it's this and that, this and that, you know, shaking ass, doing drugs, popping mollies. It's like, you know, that shit just that's all devil worshiping stuff. We really look at it if you really break it down. But you know, I still enjoy it because I like to have fun and I like majority of it, but some of it, you know, can get kind of uh, boring and just annoying. So a lot of music in general is devil worshiping stuff. It's always been like that. I think anybody who thinks that their music, you know, uh, doesn't have an element of that music in general um, has its own, you know, it controls energy. You know, Kanye West himself said it. They do these 808 beats to control your energy or chakra level is what he, what he, what he said word for word. Uh, you can actually watch that somewhere. Just look at Kanye West, like search up a video on YouTube, Kanye West, uh, uh, probably like producer energy control, something like that. Something with energy controlling it. Kanye West energy. Let me just see. If, I'm actually searching up myself and I'll play the clip for you guys. Let me see. Kanye West speaks on, on music energy. Shockers and frequency. He says this on the drink champs. Let me play this quick. And then the algorithm, you know what I'm saying? The 808, the 808 exists in the lowest chakra of your body. The majority of content that's related to the 808 is killer or sexual content. The original 808s was even off pitch. So that meant it's an actual sound in the track that you don't realize is there that is up your entire frequency. And now today, Every time I hear a car come out, it's 808. But if you think about African music and hip hop and what we break it to, break that to, it was light. The percussion. It was upbeat. Mm. It was a dr- If Kanye, who's one of the best producers of all time, arguably, um, is saying this and revealing this, he knows a shit ton about producing. He knows what goes into the music, what affects people. Music has been proven to affect people's moods, change how they think, change how they act. Like, that's insane. Think about that. It gets into your psyche too much, fucks up with your energy. That's a very possible thing. So this whole demonic thing in music, I know it's a lot more blatant in our eyes now, but it's been here for a minute, and it's always been, you know, out here. So that's why I say, guys, if you're going to consume hip-hop music or consume any type of music, not just hip-hop in itself, because I don't want to kind of shun just hip-hop and be like, oh, hip-hop's the worst and blah, blah, blah. Because that's not the case. You know, hip-hop has its positives, has its great artists. Um, but if you want to consume music, 
you know, try not to consume a lot of it every single day. It will fuck with your psyche here and there, your energy. Um, I believe in that. You know, some people might listen to this and be like, Quake, you lost your damn mind. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. I 100% understand that that perspective. But for me personally, I try not to listen to as much. I try not to listen to music that much as I used to when I was younger. I would listen to music literally almost 24-7. Now that I'm a little bit older, I'm kind of slowing down. Not that I'm getting older and just, oh, I don't want to hear that shit. No, I just, I'm realizing how much it affects your energy. You know, that's why me being a Muslim, there's Ramadan, you, you, you know, the 30 day of Ramadan where you're fasting and you're kind of refraining from anything that is sinful, even music, which is sinning in its own, you know, self, you stay away from all that. And you can tell how it changes your mood, changes your energy. You feel a lot lighter. You feel a lot happier. You feel like you're not as angry as much. Uh, but a lot of things play into that factor, man. The way you, you know, consumption of food can mess with your balances and hormones and all that stuff. Um, different consumptions of food. That's not healthy. Uh, sleep, lack of sleep, uh, a lot of factors. So I'm not just pointing this. I'm using saying, oh, this is the cure to everything for you guys or anybody that's listening. Um, but, you know, be be aware that music does have its demonic roles and that TDE saying this, you know, it's not nothing new, but it's it's interesting to hear that from him because he's in the music industry. The fact that he says this a little bit out loud like that is in my own thing was kind of interesting just just to just to read. So shout out to TDE. Uh SZA is probably one of the greatest artists on there right now. Obviously Kendrick was, but he's no longer with them. So uh yeah. Shout out to Punch. Russ, I haven't talked about this guy in a minute on the podcast. I voiced my kind of frustration with him with you know how cocky he can get and Back in the day, he was just saying all kinds of crazy stuff, and I didn't really enjoy it. It kind of gave me a bad taste um, in my mouth with him. And then my friend had a personal experience with him, which wasn't great as well. So, you know, I've kind of had my little distaste for him. Um, but the more and more I see him do interviews, the more I'm like, okay, he's got points here and there. And recently he um, voiced his uh, opinion on Twitter and revealed something that was very interesting. And what he revealed is that Billboard... And just album sales counting in general is maintained by one company solely. Which is weird because if one company oversees that, you know, that can get manipulated pretty easily. So Russ calls, you know, accuses Billboard of cheating him out, cheating him out of thousands of Santiago, uh, Santiago sales. Let's go over the article. Russ has levied some pretty serious allegations against Billboard and Luminate. Uh, the companies responsible for overseeing the Billboard charts, accusing them of cheating him out of thousands of sales of his new album, Santiago. The Atlanta rapper made the claims on Twitter on Monday, August 28th, after it was reported that his latest project had debuted at number 12 on the Billboard 200, opening with 42,000 album equivalent units in its first week. While that figure would be respectful, would be a respectable tally for an, any independent artist, Russ felt like it was a little low, especially considering he was initially projected to crack the top 10, with over 50,000 units, and accused Billboard and Luminate of robbing him of 10,000 sales in their calculations. This is what he said in a series of tweets. He says, Billboard and Luminate took away another 4,000 of my real sales over the weekend, making that 10,000 sales total they took away from me, while allowing major labels to fake their streams and sales and do monopolistic uh, merch bundles. Only major labels are allowed to do merch bundles. That's wild. The fact that only major labels are allowed to do merch bundles. Um, because they, he said only major labels are allowed to do merch bundles because they only approved the, the only approved vendor is a major label vendor. These numbers and charts are made up. The impact, however, is not shout out to the fans. He continued and said this. I don't think y'all realize how nuts this is. Billboard charts are inflated by fake data, which is being verified by only one company. Luminate. Bold, both Billboard and Luminate are owned by the same company. Anyway, I'm sit back and watch Milan expose the whole shit. Uh, Milan, which is somebody who tweeted, I don't know if that's an artist, um, th said this. The current music charts are inflated by fake data, and that data is being verified by, by one company only. That same company that verifies the data is owned by the same company that owns the charts. It's a rigged game. That is very interesting. I knew nothing about that. That's what I mean. The music industry has its own behind-the-scenes stuff, and they can definitely manipulate numbers. And, you know, because who, 
who's to say that these all these sales has been counted throughout the years of any album is accurate? You know, who knows that it could have boosted some sales to make it seem like this artist bigger than what they are. But that's why when a lot of these artists blow up on social media or online, when you when you look at their concerts, they're not really selling out shows like that. They're not doing big numbers. That's why here's the example we were talking about concerts and selling out shows a couple episodes ago. We talked about how, you know, 50 selling out shows, uh, Beyonce selling out shows, The Weeknd, Drake, uh, you know, a bunch of artists. But then you're looking at a little baby canceling, Moneybag Yo canceling, and all these newer artists, or at least the newer generation artists, aren't really doing numbers like that because all those streams and stuff isn't translating to real life ticket sales and real life fans. So it could be botted. It could be farmed. A lot of these streams, which has been proven. Uh, there's, I believe a vice documentary that goes over or it might've been vice. I don't know. Uh, one of these companies like vice, they went over like uh fake industry farming streams where they, they have like in China or in any, anywhere in China where they have these, like these kind of rooms with a bunch of phones bunch of phones in the room and they're just constantly playing songs over and over the same song over and over again so imagine like a room with 10,000 phones with one song being played on that phone so imagine you're already getting 10,000 plays just with those 10,000 phones and then you have that repeat and keep playing think about what numbers you're going to be doing you're going to do 100,000 every single day easy you know not even 10,000 that's a lot let's just say a thousand let's just say you do a thousand plays the song's about three minutes What's the average song nowadays? You have three minutes, maybe two minutes, 30 seconds, because it's very short. Let's say three minutes. Every three minutes, you're getting 1,000 plays. So you just keep doing that, repeating it. Before the, by the end of the day, you're going to be at what? I don't know, 40, 50,000 plays, maybe 100,000? Who knows? So that happens. That's that fake numbers and streams has happened. Um, so it's cool that Russ kind of pointed out that I didn't know the factor of Luminate and both Billboard are owned like, they're, they're partners together, so that's weird. That's a very bad verifying system. There needs to be a verifier, a third-party verifier that has nothing to do with Billboard, nothing to do with Illuminate, that verifies the sales itself. But I don't think they're ever going to allow that, which is unfortunate. But that's the music industry for you. A lot of it's fake. A lot of it's boosting. A lot of it's persona, making people look bigger than they are. So, But uh, Russ has always been kind of the one that you know exposes what what he thinks about the music industry is, is, you know, not good. So he's been independent though, doing his thing and still pushing numbers. And, you know, he's a multimillionaire. So to him, things are still going good regardless. So, uh, yeah, but we'll keep our eye on this and see if billboard response or illuminate or hopefully in the future, you know, those third party does come in and tries to verify things. That'd be much needed in the music industry. So yeah, we'll keep our eye out. This story from Kendrick Lamar was really cool. And it just showcases 50 cents impact in hip hop culture and how much he means to not only the older generation, but the newer generation of artists. And of course, as we know, with the final lap tour, he's getting his just due with sold out shows in America, left and right, and then even around the globe. So Kendrick Lamar did an interview with Interview Magazine. That's a really funny, uh, different type of title, you know, Interview, Interview Magazine. On there, he speaks highly of 50 Cent and says he was blown away by his wisdom. So let's go over the article. Kendrick Lamar has spoken highly of 50 Cent in a new interview crediting him with changing his perspective with something he once said. K-Dot and Nigerian singer Thames sat down for a conversation about music and creativity for Interview Magazine on Tuesday, August 29th. While reflecting on the early days of his career, Kendrick said he used to study the Junet Mogul's music and interviews and he once dropped a jewel that has stuck with him till this day. He said, Now I've always studied 50 Cent's music and watched his interviews, and someone asked if he was a conscious artist, K-Doc recalled. He said, yeah, I'm a conscious artist because I have a conscious. That is hilarious. I have a conscious. That's why I'm a conscious artist. That is, like, come on, bro. Like, the way 50 just be saying stuff, and even shout out to Brian. He did this uh, new 50 Cent interview. 50 just got so much gems and jewels he drops in every single interview. He'll just drop it here and be like, yo, whenever you guys pick this up, you guys know what time it is. So shout out to him and always saying dope things. Uh, he said, Kendra continued, he said, that shit blew me away. It gave me a different perspective. 50 drops a lot of jewels that give me different perspectives. But that one right there gave me a sense of, okay, a lot of artists live and know how to project duality. He added, that's the true gift because that's what life is about in its wholeness. 
When I seen that, I said, I can relate to that. And what you're saying is confirmation that that's still alive. It's really dope to hear another artist say it. Let us know we not crazy. Uh, Kendrick Lamar and 50, as you guys remember, they did a song together called We Up back in 2013. If you haven't heard that song, to me personally, I think it's one of 50 Cent's best tracks. Hook on that is crazy. Uh, Kendrick kills it. Video is dope. It was supposed to be one of the singles off 50 Cent's upcoming album at the time, Streaking Immortal, but we never got the album and it never ended up becoming an actual single, even though they shot a video for it. But then they worked on Power together. They acted together back in 2018, which is really cool. That was Kendrick Lamar's debut acting role, and he nailed it out the park. I mean, I think he still has uh, you know, a future in acting if he really wants to pursue it. So if you haven't seen the, the Power acting with 15 Kendrick, that's really cool. And if you haven't heard the 50 Cent and Kendrick song, uh, We Up, that's really dope as well. So check those two out. I think I think I would love more from these two. And overall, man, it's really cool to see people praise 50 Cent a lot more nowadays. It seems like there is some revisionist history when it comes to 50, and I don't like that. I know people tend to forget and think, oh, all 50 had was the Give It Your Die Trine album. He only had one hit album, and, you know, he, he fell off after that. No. This guy literally dropped Give It Your Die Trine. In the same year... Dropped Beg for Mercy, then helped Banks, helped Buck, helped Yayo, helped Game, and then dropped the Massacre. Obviously, Yayo was after the Massacre, but, and Game dropped before the Massacre, yeah. So then dropped the Massacre, which, by the way, wasn't just a flop and it was just, oh, he's a one album wonder. That shit did 1.14 million in four days. And you guys were talking about. Oh, that was a, you know, he's a dumb was a nothing. Number one records, Candy Shop, just a little bit. All these tracks on there. And I love that album. I think Massacre is very underrated. Over, what, 12 million records sold worldwide? 10 million, 12 million, something like that. Diamond Worldwide. Boom, came back with Curtis, which I think is another album that people sleep on and compare it constantly to Graduation because they had that battle. But Curtis in itself, standing on its own, is a top five hip-hop album of 2007, easily. So how does he fall off with that? Hit record, AO Technology. Hit record, I get money. Before I self-destruct, more of a hip-hop record. And yeah, it might not have had those hits. Like Baby By Me was a good hit, but it wasn't like what he used to have. You know, At that point, that's when the fall-off started. But Before I Self-Destruct was an amazing album, too. I think people people, you know, like to say only 50 had one album, but you guys don't know all the mixtapes, too, man. Stop, stop playing with 5th, man. Stop doing revisionist history. I'm glad 50's getting his flowers like he's supposed to. Kendrick showing love. J. Cole saying... Get Rich is one of the best albums of all time. Drake's showing him love. So a lot of the top dogs in hip-hop right now praise 50 a lot because 50's opened the lane in a lot of different ways. When it comes to business especially, he's the one that taught artists to own equity in your company. He was the first one doing that in hip-hop with Vitamin Water. Made a killing off it. You know, the report is $100 million, but if you actually look at the numbers, he made about $400 million off that, you know, because he owned about eight, somewhere to 8 to 9%. And it sold for like $3.4 billion, something like that, $3.4 billion, Some, How much did Coca-Cola? Coca-Cola buys vitamin water. It might have been for like, I know it was either 3 or $4 billion. Yeah, $4.1 billion. So you do the math, uh, 9%. Let's just see. Let's, let's, let's just say you own 8%. Fuck it. What is 8% of $4.1 billion? What is that? $328 million. But it was more than 8%. I think it was like 9%. Anywhere that, any number that comes up to $400 million was the, the amount he owned. Or somewhere around there. Because 9% is, or even 10 might have been. Yeah, 10 is a little bit. It was, it was under 10, but it was like above 8. So regardless, around $400 million. Even Buck says it on one of the TOS tracks. You know, But 50 couldn't say it because he had a non-disclosure uh, agreement where you can't you know talk about numbers like that. So they reported $100 million, but it was 400 So shout out to 50, man. Always... Always dropping jewels, always dropping gems. Uh, if I ever get the chance to interview him, of course, I think I'll have the best interview of all time when it comes to 50 because I know that guy's career in and out, and that would be amazing, man. I think that would be one of the coolest interviews of all time. I could do an interview that nobody else could do just because I know I know his, uh, all, everything, basically. I know everything about 50. I know where he sleeps. I know what, what his address is. I know what, what time he was eating Burger King. I know everything. I'm just playing joking guys relax i'm not a stan i'm a fan I'm not a stan i'm a fan guys i'm a fan uh, i always show love to 50 and there's stuff that i don't you know agree with or i think that that isn't that good in terms of content that sometimes he comes out with but 
Um, I remember I was criticizing Power. I was like, yo, this shit's about the ass cheeks. 50 is not good at TV shows. He had failed at the time with the money and the power. But, you know, I keep it. That's, I, you know, being yes men does never help. Never helps. So I like to be honest with everything that I see. And uh, obviously 50's flipped that and uh, proved me wrong because in the acting world, I was like, I don't know, man. But he killed it with Kanan. He hopped on 4 Live, did his thing on there too. Now he's on Expandables 4, which I'm going to go see. So 50's doing his thing, man. Shout out to him. He can always... He always finds a hustle, and yeah. So shout out to Kendrick for talking about this. This is very cool. This is what I mean. I hope, I wish Kendrick Cole, Drake would do a lot more interviews. It's just cool to get these type of pieces uh, in interviews, you know, um, little pieces, stories like this. So shout out to Kendrick for that. It's really dope of him to say, and uh, hopefully we get more music from 50 and Kendrick. I'm all for that. If you guys are for that, let me know. Drop a comment below if you're listening to this audio. Man, I don't know. Just DM me and be like, yeah, I'm for that. I want to hear more Kendrick or 50. So shout out to them too. The DOC has given us updates finally on the new Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre missionary album. That's what it's going to be titled. And he said something that's really interesting. So let's go over the article. Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre are almost finished recording their joint album according to the DOC. We revealed that it sounds like a perfect balance between the old and the new. During an interview from the desk of Lowe published on Tuesday... The No One Can Do a Better veteran discussed the long-awaited collaboration and his involvement in it. He said this, I plan on going to L.A. for a week next week to help Snoop and Dre finish Snoop's missionary album. He said, we all haven't worked together seriously where we're all in a creative space in a long time, and we're all in a space where we want to do something great, so it should be a cool week. We should come up with two or three really great records since we're all in this kind of space. He added, we love each other. Y'all know those are my brothers. I want them to win, and they want me to win. We work for each other's wins, and that's just what it is. Uh, we're lucky if everybody's in the right headspace. That's the tricky part. But right now, in this moment, I think we're all in the space where we're ready to do some new shit. Then he talks about how the album with Snoop and Dre feels like a family reunion. He said, it sounds like what Snoop's next record would have been like on Death Row. That's what it sounds like. And that is beautiful because I like... You know, Snoop tapping into the old school and then Dre trying to tap into there, but also making it fresh. And I feel like if anybody can give a new sound to hip hop, it's obviously Dr. Dre. He can he can deliver something that, you know, blows people away and hopefully, you know, adds a new kind of leg to his career because he's been dominant for an insane amount of time. I mean, we tweeted about it just recently, how Dre in the last four decades, we're talking the last 40 years, has some sort of involvement in uh, the top 10 most streamed albums in each decade, which is insane. So let me, let me, let me, let me tell you guys what I'm talking about. So Spotify revealed the top 10 most streamed hip hop albums of each decade, meaning like in the eighties, nineties, two thousands and thousands and 10. And on this, Dre has been involved in an album in one way, shape or another every single year. So the first one is the eighties. And, of course, NWA Straight Outta Compton. He's involved in that. And that was number one. And that's the most streamed, um, you know, album in the 80s. On Spotify, by the way. These are Spotify numbers. And then you got Beastie Boys, Run DMC, Easy e Easy Does It, Salt and Peppa, Slick Rick, Eric B. and Rock Cam, Beastie Boys again, Sugar Hill Gang, and Young MC. Going to the 90s. What do you got? Dr. Dre's 2001. Uh, that's number one in the charts. Uh, then you got Tupac, All Eyes on Me. And number two, Notorious B.I.G. Ready to Die. Number three, Notorious B.I.G. Life After Death. Number four, Coolio Gangs Paradise. Number five, Eminem and Slim Shady LP. Number six, Fuji's The Score. Number seven, Wu-Tang Clan Enter the Wu-Tang. Number eight, Ice Cube The Predator. Number nine, and then Snoop Dogg Doggy Style. Number 10, Dominating the 90s, Dr. Dre. Then you got the 2000s, as you guys know. Uh, Eminem, The Eminem Show is at number one. Kanye West Graduation is at number two. 50 Cent, Give It to Die Trine is at number three. Uh, Eminem Marshmallows LP is at number four. Kid Cudi, uh, Man on the Moon, End of Day is at number five. Eminem Encore is at number six. Eminem Relapse, number seven. Kanye West, Late, Late Registration, number eight. 50 Cent the Massacre, number nine. Outcast, Speaker Love Box, number 10. So you got Eminem and 50 dominating this, which is obviously Dr. Dre's field again. And then 2010s. And this is where one person questioned, how is Dre involved in the 2010s? So you got a bunch of Drake, XXXTentacion, Juice World, Travis Scott, Lil Uzi Vert. And then you got Kendrick Lamar's Damn. Now, 
from what I know, I could be wrong. I don't know any everything about Kendrick, but I don't know anything that Dr. Dre was involved in when it comes to the damn album. But here's where Dr. Dre's involvement is in. He is signed to Shade uh, TD Aftermath on this album. So Aftermath is Dr. Dre's label. I know that's a less involvement versus the previous years, but still, there's some involvement. I'm sure Dre gave him some sort of feedback on the album one way or another, and boom, that's his involvement. So the last... Four decades, the last 40 years, Dre hasn't been involved in something in hip-hop that is in the top 10 most streamed of all time, according to Spotify's numbers only. We're not talking about Apple Music. We're not talking about every platform, just Spotify's top 10 um, streamed album. So that's interesting to see that. It's dope to hear the DOC say that you know um, they are working on the album, it's damn near completion. And then it sounded like the old school Dre, same with Snoop, but it's with a new sound. So I'm very, very excited to hear this. I can't wait till it comes out. I think it's going to be something refreshing to hear from all the other bullshit that's been coming out. And hopefully, man, they got features on there, man. Hopefully they got 50 on there, M on there, um, you know, Kendrick, you know, anything new hip-hop. I would like to see some newer hip-hop on there as well, features. Uh, of course, they're probably going to have Easy Mill on there because that's the newest artist that they signed. Um, yeah, I'm all for it, man. I can't wait to hear it. So so shout out to the DOC for revealing that and letting us know that the album is damn near completion. I'm super excited. I can't wait to hear it. Let's get into the Billboard Hot 100 charts. And what I tell you guys, man, if it's a number one and it stays a number one or stays in the top 10, it's a real number one. And here we are again next week. Oliver Anthony is at number one with Richmond North of Richmond. Still at number one. Nobody knocked him off the charts. That's an incredible feat considering he is not signed to a major label at all. Um, just independent once again. Uh, hasn't signed and made no major announcement about signing about anything. So number one, you got Luke Combs at number two with Fast Car. Morgan Wallen number three with Last Night. Taylor Swift, Cruel Summer number four. Doja Cat, Paint the Town Red. This that devil song jumped up the charts from 15 to number five. A Calm Down, Rima, Selena Gomez number six. Fuck You Mean, Gunner number seven. Vampire, Olivia Rodrigo number eight. Dance the Night, Dua Lipa, number nine, and Barbie World, Ice Spice, and number 10. Uh, All My Life has jumped up at number 12, Lil Dirk. So that's that's pretty cool. It's 15, went up to number 12. Creeping Metro Boomer, number 20. Meltdown, Travis Scott, number 22. Rod Wave, Call Your Friends, debuted at number 26. That's that's huge, and I know uh, Alonzo wanted me to check that song out. I got to go live on YouTube and check out some stuff. I still haven't listened to all those songs that came out yet. Been waiting to go live on YouTube. I haven't had a chance yet. I know Travis Scott, number 30. Favorite song, Tusi, number 33. Drake, Search and Rescue, number 38. Uh, Lotto, Cardi B, put it on the floor, number 42. Travis Scott, Telekinesis, number 43. Travis Scott, Fiend, number 44. You have Nudie, 21 Savage, Peaches and Eggplants, number 49. Travis Scott, Bad Bunny Weekend, number 50. Deli, Tra uh, Ice Spice, number 53. Icebox, Nicki Minaj, Prince Diana, number 56. Scrolling down. The Baby Shake Something, number 67. That's been hovering around the 60s for a while. Apology, Barely Holding On, debuted at number 68. Oh, You Went, Young Thug Drake, number 73. Stand By Me, Lil Dirk, Morgan Wallen, number 75. Fuck You Thought, Lil Dirk, debuted at number 77. Turn your click up, re-entry, Quavo and Future, number 83. See you again, Tyler, the creator, number 84. Oliver Anthony ain't got a dollar. That went down the charts. Actually, that makes no... Actually, that's a number... Yeah, I'm tripping. It was at 80, 82, now it's down to 88. So, shout out to Oliver Anthony. My Eyes, Travis Scott, number 91. Chris Brown, Summer Too Hot, debuted at number 93. Man, he's been having a tough time debuting, like, higher in the charts, Chris Brown has. Uh, Travis Scott, Tobia Twins, number 96. And that's about it for the Billboard High 100. And that's it for today's episode of the Diverse Mentality Podcast. Once again, guys, I appreciate you guys. I know I'm supposed to rank Drake's albums. I did not forget about that. I'm going to do it next episode. Um, I should have done it this one, but I haven't had time, honestly, to consume because I got to re-listen to a lot of these Drake albums because my numbering has changed a little bit here and there. I kind of want to refresh on them, so I don't want to rank them and be like, oh, this is what I remember them as. Because some of the albums I haven't listened to in years, and some I probably listened to six months ago or a year ago. So I don't really listen to Drake consistently like that, but um, you know, I want to re-rank them properly. So these upcoming days, I'm going to be listening to Drake a lot more. 
listen to the albums, and then rank them properly. And hopefully For All the Dogs doesn't come out this Friday, because if it does, then I might have to wait in the ranking and actually consider that album in there. But we'll see. So thank you guys once again. Spotify, Deezer, Pocket Cast, YouTube, all that. TikTok, support us. We're doing numbers on that bitch. Shout out to TikTok. Um, yeah, Diverse Mentality, all that. Appreciate all you guys reaching out, showing love, sharing. Uh, it means the world to me. Have an amazing night, day, whenever you're listening to this, and peace.